today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. basically his advice to those who are single, never married. He says it's fine to remain single or to marry, depending on your convictions. There is a, I don't think as much now as there were, say, a a generation ago, but there is almost an expectation that if you're single, you must be married. Again, not as much today as there were, say, a generation ago, but we need to recognize that Paul actually says, if you're single, it's fine if you want to rest in that singleness. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through 1 Corinthians, continuing his teaching on relationships. Today, Pastor Gary speaks on the Apostle Paul's words to those who are single. Society often puts pressure on those who are single to marry, but the Bible says if they are happy in this situation, then it's entirely okay to remain single. As fellow believers, we should not think of these individuals as having not arrived. There are some advantages to singleness, such as avoiding troubles that come with any relationship. Also, when you are single, you can focus more on your relationship with Christ. What a gift. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 7 with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. First Corinthians, this Bible study is not for young ears. It is rated PG-13, so if you do have uh, young ones in the congregation, I would encourage you to take advantage of children's ministry or else cover their ears for the entire service. (laughs) This is a heavy-duty topic. Uh, We got into it partially last week, and so we're going to continue through. This is kind of a lengthy chapter, but it's uh, got uh, a lot of information having to do with singleness, marriage, sex, and divorce. I do want to make a few comments before we even look at this uh, where we left off. Uh, last week from 1 Corinthians 7, uh, just to kind of make sure everybody understands this topic in regards to maybe your own personal life. The introduction I want to make to this chapter that um, I felt like at the end of last week's study, just kind of as a cliffhanger about all of this, you know, related to singleness, marriage, and sex and divorce. But I just wanted to say this. There's obviously a lot of room for errors on this topic in our lives. Because whenever we talk about relationships, relationships can get messy. Relationships, frankly, sadly, can get ugly. Obviously, relationships can be healthy, can be wonderful. But there's also a, uh, a downside to relationships because wherever you have two or more gathered, you have the opportunity for conflict. You have the opportunity for heartache. You have the opportunity for um, uh, people to be betrayed and, and to wound one another. And so 
Because of that, you might read through this chapter and you might look at your own life in regards to relationships, uh, past or, or present, and, and think to yourself, um, you know, I've blown it in a lot of these areas. As you kind of read God's instruction, you might look at your life and say, I uh, haven't always done what God said the way he says that we should do it. And so, you know, for the sake of those of you who uh, may tend to beat yourself up too much, I just, I just kind of want to say this. Because relationships can be sometimes obviously messy, difficult, uh, and not always obviously only dependent on you, uh, we can only do as much as it depends on us individually, but in relationships it also uh, depends on another person as to whether or not they will respond in a godly way or not, and so we can't obviously be responsible for other people besides ourselves. So I just want to say this, whether or not when you read this chapter it kind of brings up in your mind your own personal failures or your your own personal sins, uh, either because of disobedience or because of ignorance. Some of you are reading this stuff and perhaps for the first time you're thinking, didn't know that, wasn't aware of that. Whether or not you will read this and take to heart personal times when you can look back and feel like you have failed God or failed people or other people have failed you, here's the key. Start afresh now. Okay? You can't go back and change anything. None of us can. What's done is done. And, and so as much as we need to take responsibility, we need to. We need to come clean with God. We need to get right with God. We need to say we're sorry to God and sorry to other people that perhaps we've offended and wronged in relationships. Whether or not they ever say they're sorry to us, if they've offended us, that's up to them and God. Okay? But as far as it depends on us, once you come to a place where you, okay, I hear this. I learn it, or I might be reminded of it, start afresh. You can't go back. You can't change anything. So now be responsible from this point going forward. Don't beat yourself up for what has happened in the past. What's happened in the past has happened in the past. And God is a gracious and a merciful God. And he is loving and he forgives us. But rather than read this and get depressed and go, oh, I didn't do that, I didn't do this, oh, God says to do that, and, and I blew it in that area too, Start afresh here. Just make it a point to say, at this point, moving forward, this is a new day for me, and because of God's grace, I'm going to start afresh from this point, and I'm going to now honor what he says going forward, okay, because we can't change the past. So I just want to kind of clarify that and make sure everybody reads this and realizes, even if you see your failures and your sins in this chapter which obviously a lot of the Bible exposes us for who we really are. So there's a lot of the Bible that, you know, will confront us. And that's okay. That's actually a wonderful thing when we respond to it in the right way. Okay, rather than it just shaming us to the place of like, well, now I just feel completely depressed about my life. All right, decide as you read this, that whether or not you completely obeyed it, this point forward, you will, as far as it depends on you. You can't be responsible for other people, but as far as it depends on you, you're going to do what is right in God's eyes and you're going to honor him. All right? Amen to that? Amen. First Corinthians 7 and verse 17, he says this, Nevertheless, each one should retain the place in life that the Lord assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is the rule I lay down in all the churches. Okay, now we're going to pause there because then he's going to illustrate it. But let's understand this first statement that he makes here. He says, you know, each one should retain the place in life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is the rule I laid down in all the churches. So he's, he's not saying that if you're single, 
your, your, stay, your status in life should always stay single. Um, what he's simply saying is learn to be content in whatever status you're in right now. If, if, you're, if you're married, don't want to be single. And if you're single, don't want to be married. Want in the sense, and this is the trap that a lot of people get in, if my status were to change, this, this, is, the, this is the fallacy, if my status were to change, I'd be better off and I'd be happier. Okay? If, as a single person, if my status were, if I just got married, then I'd be really happy. <laughs> Woo, all right, we'll get a, later, a little bit of that later in the chapter where Paul talks about you're going to have some troubles when you get married. So, but, so don't, if you're single, don't go, if I, if I were married, I'd just be happier. And if, you're, and if you're married, don't say, if I were just single, I'd be happier. And if you are, you know, widowed, just, you know, or whatever your situation might be, don't, don't think that if a change in status happens, then my life would be better off. What Paul is saying here is, you just learn to be content right where God has you. Now, God can obviously know your heart, and it's okay to pray and say, Lord, this is what this is I would like, and I'm particularly talking to those of you who are single. I'm not encouraging you married to say, this is what I would like, you know. You know, don't, don't, don't be praying that. But, but particularly those of you single, it's okay to just, you know, make your request known to God, all right? But then, but then trust Him with your future and learn to be content, just to be content, right where God has you, okay? It's important. When we get all worked up about, you know, I want this, I want that, and Lord, you know, why does it? And it's just, there's something about that frenzy that, that is not productive in, in our lives spiritually. And so it's best to just learn to whatever my circumstance, wherever I am, whatever my season, I'm just going to be content right, right where I am, and I'm going to trust the Lord. I got that as good advice when I was young and single. I was in love with, I was lovesick. I was in love with that girl for two years and she didn't even notice me. Okay. She was dating another guy. All right. Very serious relationship. She's been like in, in this relationship with this guy for like three years. I'm not going to say anything bad about him. He was a nice guy. And I just, uh, <laughs> but I, I'm just scratching my head. But anyway. But, you know, but, but seriously, he actually was a very nice guy. And, um, and, and, and yet, you know, and, and so I was like, oh, like, ah, you know, why doesn't she notice me? And, you know, and, I, and, and I'm not the kind of guy that I'm going to go swooping in. Like some of you guys are like that with the girl that you were, you were just like, I don't care if she's with another guy. I'm swooping in, you know, <laughs> soaring like an eagle. I'm going to swoop, swoop right in there. And she's going to notice. That wasn't me. That wasn't me. I just, that's just my personality. I'm like, okay, I'm going to respect this. She's with another guy, you know. And so, but for like two years. Now, there was this glorious, because uh, we were in the same like young adults college age group at the church we were going to. And so there was this, uh, <laughs> there's this ski trip that a bunch of us went on. Okay. And so we're on the ski lift. And I'd only been skiing like one, one other time before this. And so we're on a ski lift. And I'm, and I'm just like a puppy. I'm just like sick in love. And I'm just like, you know, the whole time. And she's with this boyfriend. Okay. And they got on the chair on the ski lift in front of me. And so I'm on, the, I'm on the chair behind, and, you know, we're going up the ski lift, and I'm seeing them in front of me, in, this, in the chair in front of me, and they're, like, talking, and they're like, 
Excuse me. And I was like, oh, how sick is this, you know? And, I, and so, and, but they're going up on the ski lift. And so then the ski lift, and so then their chair, you know how it is. If you've been skiing, you gotta, you gotta get right off as that lift goes, or it's, or you're gonna, you know, go with it. And so you gotta, you gotta get your, your poles ready. You got your skis ready. And so as the lift comes right, you gotta get right off there. And so she and her boyfriend got off first and they're waiting there for me and the other people who are in our college group. But as I got off the chair, I'm just looking at her and I'm just like, oh, and I didn't even realize that the chair had dumped me off and I dump right onto her and fall right on top of her, right on top of her. And she's, you know, we're face to face. She's on her back and I'm on, and I'm, and my face is on her face. All right. And, and her boyfriend is looking over us like this. And I don't know what he muttered something like, are you done? It was something like that. But, um, but you know, anyway, it worked out, <laughs> but, uh, but, but the thing is, but the thing is, the advice I got at that time was you just need to relax and you just need to trust God and you just need to rest and stop getting all anxious. And so just trust God. And so, and I can tell you from personal experience, when I got into that place of just, okay, Lord, I'm content, I'm content in you. And so if she ever comes into my life or not, if you, whoever you might have for me or not, I'm just content right where you have me. And it wasn't much after that, that then <laughs> she saw the light. That's all I can tell you. And so, but, but, so my encouragement to you, just like rest wherever God might have you and trust him and, and just look to him and find your contentment in the Lord. So that's what he's saying here. Now, he gives, he gives a couple of examples here that seem almost kind of like, what? But, but look at verse 18. He, he says, was a man already circumcised when he was called? He should not become uncircumcised, which obviously you, you can't do. So I'll explain in a moment. He says, was a man uncircumcised uh, when he was called? He should not be circumcised. Uh, circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing. Keeping God's commands is what counts. And then he's going to give another example, and then I'll come back to it. Verse 20, he says, Each one should remain in the situation which he was in when God called him. Were you a slave when you were called? Don't let it trouble you. Although if you can gain your freedom, do so. For he who was a slave when he was called by the Lord is the Lord's freedman. Similarly, he who was a free man when he was called is Christ's slave. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. Brothers, each man as responsible to God should remain in the situation God called him to. Okay? So basically he's, he's talking about whatever state you were in when you became a Christian, just rest in that and be content in that. So he says if you were uncircumcised, that would be basically a Gentile, you know, predominantly speaking in that day. If you were uncircumcised, then just, you know, remain in, in that state. You don't, circumcision doesn't mean anything because the, the covenant has been fulfilled in Christ, okay? It was a mark, a sign that you belonged as children of Abraham. But, but Paul says, and on the other hand, if you were circumcised, if you're a Jew and you come to faith in Christ, okay, fine. He says, if you're a slave, now, first century Roman Empire, okay, there were hundreds of thousands of slaves in the first century Roman Empire. It wasn't a good thing. It was just the way that it was back in the day. And Paul even says here, if you can get your freedom, get it. But he says, even in that situation, just trust the Lord, okay? And he says, and if you're a freed man, become a slave of Christ. Become one who recognizes that Jesus is your master. Become that, that slave, that doulos in the Greek, that the one who is under the lordship of Jesus 
as one who is completely uh, surrendered to him as master. So he says, but just whatever at point you come into the faith, don't be anxious to move on to some other stage or status. Just be content. That's what he says here at the end of verse 24, that each man, each woman, as responsible to God, should remain in the situation God called him to. Right? Verse 25. Now he's got some more, he's got some more advice now in verse 25. Now he's going to refer to virgins, and so he's predominantly talking about those who are single and never married. Uh, in verse 25, down through verse 38, he says this. Now about virgins. I have no command from the Lord, but I give a judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. Because of the present crisis, just underline that, we'll come back to it. Because of the present crisis, I think that it is good for you to remain as you are. Are you married? Do not seek a divorce. Are you unmarried? Do not look for a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life, and I want to spare you this. All right, there it is. <laughs> now, here's basically his advice to those who are single, never married. He says it's fine to remain single or to marry, depending on your convictions. There is a, I don't think as much now as there were, say, a, a generation ago. But there is almost an expectation that if you're single, you must be married. Again, not as much today as there were, say, a generation ago. But we need to recognize that Paul actually says, if you're single, it's fine if you want to rest in that singleness. And we should honor those who are single and not think about anybody who's single, oh, somehow you haven't arrived because you're not married. And, you know, there's that tendency sometimes for people to think that about singles. And we shouldn't see them that way. We should recognize that in Christ, some people are content to be single. Some people who are single want to be married, and that's fine, too. And Paul adds that, too. If, if you're single and you want to be married, fine, get married. But if you're single and you don't want to be married, then that's okay, too. That it's not a status that is better than or less than to be married or to be single. He says, you know, look, there are some realities of the advantages of singleness, and he's going to point them out here in this passage. And one of the things is, he says that they have less troubles. That's that's what we just read there. He says, "I'm going to try to spare you some troubles because you're going to have troubles if you're married." Now, he makes mention there of the present crisis there in verse 26. So there was something going on during the Roman Empire. This is first century. Christians are starting to get persecuted now. Nero the emperor. I mean, he's literally Nero the emperor. You read some history books. I mean, it's tragic, the stuff that he did to Christians. He would tar them alive, cover them in pitch, and then set them on fire and use them as human torches in his garden at the palace in Rome. Okay, that's the kind of guy who was coming to power at this time. And so Christians are starting to get persecuted. And so Paul's basically saying, listen, if you have to be responsible for a, a wife, if you're a man, or if you're married as a woman and you have to be responsible, you know, with your husband and a family, he says it's a lot more difficult in the present crisis because when there's persecution, it's hard to have to be responsible for a family. But if you're single, you can face sometimes that persecution, you know, on your own without the added responsibility of having a family in the middle of persecution. But then he, he also adds there about having many troubles. Those who marry will face many troubles in this life, and I, and I want to spare you this. You know, marriage is about two imperfect people who are coming together. And in our imperfections, it will generate 
sometimes conflict. It is important to realize that there are going to be just real differences in every marriage. There are gender differences, okay? How a woman sees the world is sometimes very different than how a man sees the world. A woman looks through pink glasses, a man looks through blue glasses, and we see things differently sometimes just in your own household. You know, how things are supposed to function can be thought of differently from a woman's standpoint uh, versus a man's uh, standpoint and vice versa. There are gender differences. There just are. And then on top of that, there are personality differences within the genders. You have a personality unique to you that God gave you. Your spouse has a personality unique to that person that God gave them. Sometimes your personalities can be very similar, and sometimes they can be very, very different. And so you have to learn to manage those differences. Uh, You know, the old saying, uh, birds of a feather flock together. That applies for friends, not for marriage. You will choose your friends based on how much you are similar to them. That's just a natural way we choose friends. You want to hang around people that have common interests and you, and, you, and you do things that are the same and you laugh at the same jokes and you like the same food. That's, you know, friends. They kind of like birds of a feather flock together. But the saying that is more true about marriage is opposites attract. And the reason why opposites generally attract in a marriage is because that's the way God has designed it to complement one another. Because what you'll often find is that your strengths are your partner's weaknesses, and your weaknesses are your partner's strengths, and that together you complement each other. But here's the rub. Sometimes if you don't appreciate how your differences complement one another, you actually can be irritated by their differences. I'm sure you can't relate. And so all of a sudden, when one person says something and and that's not the way you see it, then all of a sudden there's the potential for conflict. Now, you know, if I knew your story, I would tell it. But I'm going to tell you mine. You know, Terry and I are different. We're very different people. Uh, Again, opposites attract. Uh, Her strengths are my weaknesses. Uh, My strengths are her weaknesses. So together, when we work together as a team, it works well. And it can either be for, you know, double the joy or double the trouble, depending on how you deal with it. But for example, she's a very spontaneous person, doesn't like a lot of plans, so just go for it and let's just do this, okay? I'm structured, I need a plan, I need some, I need some things in order. Don't, don't judge me, that's just the way I am. And, and I remember one of the first times this came to highlight between the two of us is we were on a trip to Michigan to visit her family. And uh, this is many years ago. And I wanted to have it plotted out. Because, you know, we had young kids at the time, and it was like a 16-hour drive, and it was like, you know, I'm not going to pull a 16-hour drive with kids in the backseat, all right? That's just insanity, you know? And so, you know, why, why, why do that? Why torture ourselves with kids in the backseat for 16 hours? And this was back in the day when you only had the minivan without the DVD players, okay? This is all you had is goldfish. Like, have at it, kids. You know, you throw a bunch of goldfish in the back of the minivan. And so 16 hours, it's like goldfish, you know, and that's about all you have. Okay, and so I wanted to have a plan. Here's at the midpoint, we're going to stop. We're going to drive about eight hours. We're going to stop. We're going to go to a hotel. We're going to get out, and we're going to have a good time as a family. And then we're going to be refreshed in the morning, have a little continental breakfast at the hotel, and off we go again. (laughs) And so in my mind, I'm like, okay, midway point, we're going to stop. And so I had a hotel all lined up. And as we get to that midway midway point, Terry's like, let's just keep driving. Why do we want to keep driving? we got a hotel right here. It's been eight hours. Let's pull off. Let's just keep driving. Everybody's fine. We're having a great time. Let's just keep driving. Let's see how far we can go. <laughs> it's like, what, what, why do I want to see how far we can go? I, 
We're going to get there soon enough. Let's just cut it right in half. It's kind of a beautiful thing. It's 16 hours, 8 hours, and 8 hours. It's a wonderful thing. I don't, let's just keep driving. Well, let me just tell you, it became intense fellowship. <laughs> that's, what, that's, that's what Christians call it. It's intense fellowship. The Apostle Paul's message to the church in Corinth was frank and powerful. They needed to make some changes. They knew the truth of Christ because Paul had spent time planting the seeds of truth. They had begun to walk in the ways of Jesus, but they had let lies taint their steps. Those lies are common still today. Is there something you've heard from a spiritual leader that just hasn't sat right in your soul? Don't let it take root. Instead, take it to the Bible and to your Heavenly Father. Allow Him to show you what is right and what isn't, and then grow in His perfect truth in love. We're so glad you joined us today on Cornerstone Connection. Pastor Gary Hamrick will continue teaching through 1 Corinthians when you join us next time. But for now, we'd like to invite you to visit cornerstoneconnection.cc to learn more about this ministry. You'll be able to hear past teachings, connect with us on social media, and learn more about the church this program originates from. If you're in the Leesburg area, we'd love to meet you. Come visit us this Sunday at 8.30, 10, or 11.45 a.m. at Cornerstone Chapel. You'll find directions and more information on our website. Again, that's cornerstoneconnection.cc. We're excited to have you join us. Thanks for tuning in today, and we hope you'll join us again right here on Cornerstone Connection. Cornerstone Connection.